Hi, this is Pastor Wilson with Renew Church OC. Thanks for joining our podcast. We're walking through the book of Luke, thinking about what it means to follow Jesus, to see the world the way he does, and to integrate his patterns into our life. I hope you enjoyed the sermon today. I also wanted to point you to the description section where you can find the church's website. We would love for you to visit our church and consider investing in our ministry. There's two other links. One is a podcast that I do with a therapist at Renew Church, and we kick around issues like dating, mental health, and friendships. And lastly, there's a children's book series and a journal that I wrote with my wife and my mentor, and would love for you to look at those resources as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the Renew Church family, and I hope that you enjoy the sermon today. God bless. So the next photo is of my favorite child, Lila. She looks like a puppy here, which I love. So me and Lila, there's a lot of Mondays where we get the whole day together, and I'm very excited. So a lot of it's just eating, watching her sleep, and then eating again, and then her crawling. But my favorite part of hanging out with her is when I put her on the bed, and I just nuzzle my face into like her armpit, her thigh, her ribs, her tummy, her neck, and she's just laughing so hard. All four and a half teeth are just showing, you know, just in all, in all their glory. And um, as she's laughing and we're just having the best time and we're, I'm like smiling at her, I'm delighting in her, a villain enters the room. My wife's key goes into the door, starts to jingle. The doorknob turns, and my door opens with a large creak, and all of a sudden, Lila looks up. She breaks eye contact with me, and then she hears my wife's voice, I mean the villain's voice, <laughs> and she immediately face palms me, she turns and slaps me, and then she starts crawling off the bed, right? There's like, a, there's like a cliff at the end of the bed. She doesn't care. She's willing to risk her life to get to mom. So I, I have to like hold her as she's coming off the bed. My wife walks in. She's like, what are you doing to our child? You know, she looks miserable. She looks like she wants to just end, end herself. Like, what's going on here, you know? And I think that's what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 8, verse 16. Yeah, that's my transition. <laughs> I think I practiced a better one, but now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it, puts it into practice. So in Mark chapter 3, another gospel, Jesus' mother and brothers are there to retrieve him. They thought he had gone crazy. Maybe the accusations of him being demon-possessed had reached them. So they were trying to pull him out of ministry. And as they're waiting for him, Jesus makes a radical statement. He says, they're, my mothers and brothers are the people who are hearing God's word and put into practice. He says something, I think, even more radical as he calls us to view our family the same way. He says, in order to follow me, you have to hate your mother, father, children, husbands. That's a huge statement. But I think what he's saying is is not to hate your parents or that he hated and neglected his mom, but hate in comparison to the way Lila hates me when Nina walks into the room, 
right? The, the gap between affection is so wide that when mom comes in, it's as if she hates me. And what Jesus is saying is the gap of affection between those who hear God's word and practices it is so wide that it looks as if he's disowning his mother and brothers or, he, or were to hate our own parents. That's the gap of affection. That's also why we planned retreat on Father's Day because, because Lila. <laughs> so, how does, oh, so how does Jesus define family here? He says those who hear the word and puts it into practice. This is probably the pinnacle of a three-part sermon in Luke where he elevates the word of God. First, he talks about the parable of the sower. There's a generous gardener sowing perfect seeds into the hearts of humanity. The variable isn't the gardener or the seeds, it's our hearts. Some hearts receive God's word and it flourishes and grows and others it's stomped out. So he uses that, that illustration. Then he uses a metaphor the word of God being light and exposing our souls. Some people lean into it. They want to see themselves and they want God's light to heal and cleanse them. And others just want to turn off the light. They're willing to live with the dead body and rats and mold as, as long as they don't have to see it. So Jesus goes from an illustration to a metaphor but we would see this as the pinnacle of his value for the word and practice because he moves into reality. That the reality of those closest to him is not his biological family. It is those who hear the word of God and practices it. What an elevation of God's word. In the next slide, and if you have your uh, notepads or notebooks, journals, you could go ahead and Start creating this graph, okay? And we'll fill it in together. We're spending most of our time here. Because I've been thinking about what it, why there's a gap between hearing God's word and putting it into practice. It is so hard to close. And when we think about our own lives or when we look around, we see, we see that it's easy to hear God's word. And then it's so hard to actually do it. There's so much I know that hasn't become part of who I am and how I live my life. And if I were to practice everything perfectly, I would be perfect. Why is there a gap and what is it made of? First, we see, about, we see how heavily Jesus emphasizes hearing God's word and doing it. If you look at the next slide, James chapter 1, verse 22 says, if we only hear God's word, we don't change. In Luke chapter 6, it says, if we only hear God's word, we have a false security. And in the last passage, in James chapter 2, verse 14, we can actually have a false faith if we are only hearers of God's word, if we don't close this gap. Severe warnings. In James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25, um, I'm just going to talk about it, and you could read it as I talk. It says, not only to be hearers of God's word, and so deceive ourselves. That if we just know God's word, we could be deceived into thinking that because we understand Reformed theology, or we've read these books, or we've heard enough sermons, that we um, are doers. We could conflate knowing and doing, and take pride in just the knowing. 
But he gives us an example in James, and he talks about the word of God being a mirror. And this isn't an average mirror because it's not simply reflecting who we already are. This mirror is reflecting who we can be as we apply the word of God. When we look at scripture, we get to see who we can be. A person who, who isn't marred by addiction. Someone who is patient instead of rushing into anger. Someone who lets go of unforgiveness and bitterness and can experience new life. We're not giving away free rent. This is the mirror that God gives us in his word. But if we don't do what it says, we simply walk away and we remain unchanged. So if we're only hearers of, of God's word, we don't change. Secondly, if we only hear God's word, we can have a false sense of security. This is found in an earlier passage in Luke chapter 6. He gives, he gives a stinging statement. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Did that cut you? Because it cut me. Why are you calling yourself a Christian? Why do you call Jesus Lord if you do not do what I say? Then the illustration is two houses being built. You know, a triangle on top of a square. That's how I build my houses, right? And it looks the same on the outside. If you were to see these two people, they're both strong in their faith. They're both solid Christian. They both know their theology. But when the wind and waves come, one has a deep foundation because what they know they've done and it's integrated into their value in life, the other person just knows it and their faith collapses. The last warning is the harshest. If we only hear the word, we have a false faith. James chapter 2 again says, do not deceive yourself. And maybe the greatest deception is that we think we're Christian when we're not. We're a goat instead of a sheep. I have deep fears of that for um, as a pastor. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? And James asked this piercing question, can such faith save them? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So again, we look at this graph and we ask, are we hearing God's word? We can't apply what we haven't heard. And as we hear it, what is the gap that we need to fill in order to get to practicing his word? Because there's a lot of stakes here. But as I was thinking about this concept, this framework, I thought, man, there's times where we could practice God's word too and have a gap the other way, where our practice becomes a checklist, where we do these religious acts and rituals, but they're void of connection from the Lord. In the next slide, I think about how when we just practice, we can become bitter. We can compare ourselves to others and judge them. We can miss Jesus while serving him. So in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, I feel so bad for Martha. It's like, she's probably like Mary, but then this is like one of her hard moments. And then we talk about it all the time. I'm sorry, Martha. Sorry. So Mar Jesus, Jesus is hanging out with Mary and Martha. 
Martha is overwhelmed by the amount of work in, in hosting Jesus and his disciples. It says that she's distracted by all the preparations. It's not just what she's distracted by. It's who she's distracted from. Right? Our it's not just that we're distracted by the busyness of our life or by our screen. It's that that distraction is pulling us away from Jesus. And we can serve him and miss him at the same time. And then we see her become judgmental. Look, my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. How many times have we looked around and felt like we were serving God alone or giving to God by ourselves, or loving God and no one else is, or at least we're on a higher rung than they are. And this is how the Lord describes her. Martha, Martha, you are upset and worried about many things. Can you think of times in your life where you served the Lord with anxiety instead of peace? Can you think about times where you served the Lord in anger instead of love. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. The second passage I think about is from Luke chapter 15. It's about two sons. One takes his inheritance early, which is a tremendous insult. A spoiler alert, we're gonna to get to this in about six months. Um, spends it on drunkenness, debauchery, prostitutes. He comes home and the father is tremendously gracious, welcoming him back as a son. He didn't do anything right yet. She, the father just welcomes him. There was a big party. And then we have the older son outside who had stayed home, who had done his um, farm work with the father for years on end, a faithful son. And he is bitter and angry that this younger son got to come home and have a party thrown for him. As he's outside soaking, his father comes out, tries to get him in, and he talks about all the years he served um, and the kind of son this other brother was. And this, this line just breaks my heart in verse 31. His response, the father's response to the older son is, son, you are always with me. I'm sorry, I cut out the second half of this verse. All I have is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother who was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. But I think about the father as this son is complaining about not having stuff, how he says, but you had me. You had me. I imagine all the years of them working together, going maybe into the night, and him putting his arm around his son, walking home and said, we worked, we worked, we worked today, didn't we? We worked hard. Or them on a field delivering a, a new calf, and the awe and wonder of seeing a life breathe for the first time as they look at each other, or them sitting around the dining table, drinking wine, eating bread, having uh, meat, this, the mother who birthed the calf, eating her, and then just being like, this was a great year. We, we had a great harvest. And, and cheers. And, and the father's like, 
wasn't that enough? Wasn't that what you wanted? I with you and you with me. And I think that's the call of every Christian. In the next slide, the gap is evidence that we missed loving Jesus and being family with him. Whether we're not doing what we heard or whether we do it but disconnected, the gap is, is evidence that we've missed Jesus. We've missed loving him. We miss being family with him. And family and intimacy with Jesus is the motivation for why we want to know the word and put it into practice. Why do we want to do that? Because that's how Jesus defines family and intimacy with him. That's the driver. That's why we do it. And so in the next slide, and I don't think this is comprehensive, but this is what I have. Um, Going from hearing the word, so Jesus asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And when I think about what it means to be the first commandment, the greatest, I think it's first in, in a few different ways. It's first in terms of priority. And it, so we are to love Jesus first in terms of priority. And that allows us to not only be hearers of the word, but start to move through the gap to also practice it, right? The only reason why I don't do what I know to do is because it's not my number one priority. It's because there's other loves first. There's other fears first. There's other desires and wants first. And so I hear God's word. I know what I'm to do, but I'm like, I actually want to do this. Because I love and want and desire this more. In order to close this gap, when I look at that, that dislocation in my life, those two being disjointed, what I know and what I do, the first thing I do is I say, God, what am I loving before you? What am I actually loving first? And Lord, would you help me to love you first in this area? When I think about how to move from practice into reconnection, I think about this word first, but instead of being priority, I think we need to put God first in process. First, love Jesus. Right? Before you sing a worship song, before you step into this church, before you pray and open God's word, is the process, God, I want to love you. Like first step in. First move is a move towards loving God. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm singing this song. That's why I'm praying. It's because I want to love, first love Jesus. And that applies to all of our life, doesn't it? Every space we walk into, are we walking in to first love Jesus? Are we walking into parenting, into our marriage, to say, God, I'm here to first love you? to fall in love with you more in the hardest moments of marriages, in the, in the most daunting challenges at work with the worst customers. Help this to be a space where I love you first in process. And as we do that, the bitterness and comparison, the judgment just starts to wane away.
And thirdly, in terms of the first and greatest commandment, is Jesus says, we love because he first loved us. Our ability to love Jesus comes out of him loving us first. And in the times where we can't love Jesus first, we feel like we're struggling, we actually love something else first. How do we come back to, but his love with, for us was so deep and vast and sacrificial, right? When we want to love Jesus first, it doesn't come out of us trying harder or willing ourselves more. It comes out of us looking at Jesus longer and thinking about his love for us. When we can't forgive, we just can't. We say, God, I can't will myself to forgive this person. But what I can do is look at the cross and receive your forgiveness deeper and more profoundly. And what I receive from Jesus, as you forgive my debts, in that same motion, I'm forgiving the debts of others. As I think about your generosity in my life, in the same motion, you first, I then am generous to the people around me. In the same way you've shown your patience and kindness to me, that I am able to sit and just receive that from you. When I run out of this, I'm, what I realize is I'm not doing this well, or long enough, or deep enough. Um, this next slide is Levi getting kicked out of Taekwondo. He was so sad. He just walked straight out, claps on a chair. And I went to him and I was, I was looking at him and I thought, I feel so bad for Master Yoon. I feel so bad for my Taekwondo teacher. Not even Master Yoon in all his powers can train my son. I understand it's super hard, right? I describe Levi as a bad puppy Labrador. Like, if you had a Labrador, it's probably doing more things than my son can do. And if it's like six or seven months, it's come, you, when you say come here, it probably comes there, right? When you say sit or eat, or, or pee here, it does all of those things. And my son, after three years, cannot, right? So I was just feeling really bad for Master Yoon. And, um, and uh, this summer, uh, we were swimming at, at a swimming pool, and I was like, just doing laps. Levi had a life vest on in the, in the shallow side by the stairs. And I'm doing laps, listening to a podcast, very distracted, I know. And uh, but I'm like, it's okay, as a life vest on. And as I'm leaning outside a pool to catch my breath, I hear him cry. I look back, and this is what happened. He took off his life vest. Always make sure that your life vest is, you know, buckled in the back. He took it off. I didn't know that was on the table. And he kicked off of the stairs and went underwater in complete silence he had to kick his way back to the pool and rescue himself. I mean, everything could have changed for our family, everything. I did not know he was underwater. Now, Liz would tell you to put on a life vest, but also be within a foot of your child. This is why we're having all church retreat on Father's Day. This is why. We don't celebrate fathers. So 
So I'm totally shook from this. And then three days later, we're in a cul-de-sac and Levi's scootering right down the middle of the street. It's a very long street, like maybe three times the length of this uh, auditorium, right? So you can see all the way down. So I'm watching him scooter. It's usually pretty safe, but I start calling, Levi, come here, Levi, come here. And he's just going hard, right? And I have bad knees. I'm like, I'm not going to run. I'm just going to yell louder. And as I'm doing that, there's a car coming from the other side of the street. And I'm like, there's no way he doesn't see my son. Because again, you just, it's flat. You just see, you have full visual on the whole street. But he, he's driving pretty slow, but he's not slowing down. So I'm yelling louder, 10 feet, 5 feet. He drives right past Levi. Levi's in the middle of the street. He drives 3 feet to his left. And I'm like freaking out. I think this guy was probably on his phone for like a whole minute. Did not look up. Just, if he just swerved a little bit, again, our life would be totally different. He parks into his garage. I was like, either I'm going to kill someone or hug someone. I'm going to hug, hug Levi. And um, I think that was a humbling moment. I thought about how my one job is to keep my kids alive and, um, and how there's just times where I can't. And the Lord for some reason, just held his life. Just held him when I, when I dropped the ball. And then the second thing I did, um, and it's been a few months now, almost every day I just hold his face and I say, God, thank you so much for the gift of Levi today. Would you give me this gift tomorrow too? And then I hold Lila's face I hold Liam's face. I hold my wife's face. And she's like, did you wash your hands? <laughs> yes. And I just think like, sometimes it's about going back to that, that thing that mattered most and doing everything else out of that one thing. That one thing is that Levi is a gift from the Lord. And I don't know how long I'll have them, but I have them today. Tomorrow's a grace. So when I'm wrestling with him in bed, or when I'm wrestling with him to put on his shoes, or when I'm wrestling with him to put on sunblock, or wrestling with him into his car seat, I'm just trying to say, God, he's a gift. He's a gift today. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series. And we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection helping kids bridge their faith with God's calling in their life as a businessman, as a doctor or nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I want to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-hosts together. It's called The Same Boat. We talk about relationships. We just finished um, a series on dating. We think back to an English ministry church, and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life. I hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well. 
And lastly, if you're looking to partner with us on our website, we have a give section. You could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through um, through partnering with us financially. But if you scroll down, we have quite a few local missionaries that have called Renew Home. If you read their bio, there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries. We hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, hope to hear, hope to uh, have you join us again.